The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. See ya, Najad will join me to talk DFS today. See you. Welcome. Thank you. Listen, I'm going to be busy the entire show calling through narrative lineups. So just defer to Greg on every single thing the next hour. Rounding out our team for today. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg. Hey, buddy. What's going on, boys? I'm a little, uh, this week has me a little bit, I'm a little on edge. I'm a little uncomfortable. Did a little research. I think you're. I think we're gonna have to get risky here. I think we're gonna have to get super aggressive and super risky. But I've I've done a little research on the 2010 edition of the RBC Heritage, and if any correlations come true, we're not gonna like who we have to click this week. So I'm. Uh, um. Now maybe things have changed. 2010 is a long time ago. They've redone the green sense, but uh, I'm I'm excited to share what I've found with you guys. Yeah, to pull back the curtain, we were we were backstage. Greg joins and and Sia, he's like, "Well, here it is. Oh, I can't believe I'm gonna have to do this. I'm gonna say I'm so uncomfortable." I'm like, "What is going on over there? It's about course research? You're talking about course research, right? Exactly. Well, it's more than course research, but anyway, <laughs> I'm excited. Like this is like quite the cliffhanger. Good start to the show. Yeah. Well, listen, we are uh, back in Canada for the first time since. 2019 uh 2020 did not play 2021 did not play we are back at st george's as greg alludes to for the first time since 2010 and i i think it's going to be difficult greg you don't have to divulge all, all your information yet but this is a it's a stanley thompson design that has even been touched since we saw it in 2010 so i mean it, we're, we're gonna have to dig deep and, and kind of figure this out together yeah, um, Tom Doak redid the. Uh, he did a redo on the golf course. Um, he had a partner with him as well, who I sadly forget. Um, but see the the unique thing about golf course architecture now, when they redo golf courses, they bring it back. the The common theme is bring it back to a original design. So a lot of the new architects. Like Gil Hans is big on this, Gil Hans rather. Um, and when he redoes a golf course, it, it's not like Gil Hans is putting his touch on it. He's putting Perry Maxwell's touch on it, for example. And so I find that to be very interesting. And when you look at what Stanley Thompson did, Tom Doak was trying to bring it back to what Stanley Thompson did. So what does that mean? I, I think it almost, in a way, renders it not maybe useless is the bad term, but it's not like this is a Tom Doak golf course and we can compare it to other Tom Doak golf courses because it's something that, you know, he's trying to make this a Stanley Thompson golf course, not a Tom Doak, which I, I just think that's an interesting thing to consider when you're looking at our uh, modern architecture. Uh, well, uh, producer Troy can share my screen here. Cause I've got the scorecard up here. See ya. And on paper, it's a par 70, 7,014 yards with five par threes, three par fives. And it's, it's kind of weird. I actually think it's going to play longer than this. Mm. Uh, you know, 7,000 on the, on the scorecard's not very long, but you've got the long threes and they're really short fives. And I don't know. I think there's going to be some long iron stuff out there for these golfers this week. Yeah, especially when you include all those par threes, most of which are are pretty long. So, yeah, I, I think long irons are definitely in play here. Uh, around the green is going to be critical with the small greens and just all the the bunkers and uh, around the the green complexes. So, you know, I, I feel like I've said this a couple times just in the last three weeks, but again, I'm looking for fairway finders. I'm looking for good, if not elite, game around the green. And yeah, I mean, iron play overall, certainly, but in terms of if you want to have a bent one way or the other, 
Rick, like you, I've sort of sort of fallen away from from the bucketing of proximities. But to the extent you want to look at that, obviously, you know, the 175s and ups are, are probably going to be where you'd want to lean toward. Microscopic greens, Greg, 4,000 square feet on average. That's basically second to just Pebble Beach. This week and next week are both going to be small, kind of well-protected greens. If you look at every single par three, and if you look at a lot of these greens in general, Greg, I mean, they're just every corner of them, there's a bunker. Uh, yes. And when you combine that with the tree-lined fairways, I, I think precision might be the name of the game. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. Um now, you look at some of the yardages on these par fours, and a lot of the golf course is made up in, you mentioned the short par fives, so you don't really have that 600-yard hole that's adding a lot of yardage. You have a lot of the par fours, almost almost all of them, uh, seven of the 10 are between 450 and 490. Now, I mean, those aren't overly long either. They're all kind of in this middle range. And that leads to some, maybe some three woods off the tee, uh, which leads to really middle irons more so than long irons. But I think the proximity bucket, if you look there, if you look at the 175 to 225, that's kind of the area where a lot of these guys are going to be coming in from. But that being said, uh, I mean, a 450 yard par four is a, a wedge. It's a wedge into the green. So if guys are willing to take driver, um, you're, you'll still see plenty of wedges. It's just not three wood wedge, right? It's for the most part, I mean, it's it's driver wedge, um, and and it is tree line, so it will be interesting. But I think the biggest factor, no, regardless of what guys have coming into the greens, is the greens are really small. The greens have some slope to them, and they uh, are extremely well protected by bunkers, as you said. And I think some of the results from 2010 back up all of those things. Okay, hang on to that for just one second. Uh, Sia, the strength of field, 274, according to the official World Golf Rankings. We've got Scotty Scheffler at the top. We've got Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. I think there's kind of a, a little bit of a drop-off after that, but this is certainly a field that is going to provide uh, some big names and then also that next tier of golfer with a lot of opportunity to contend in this thing. Yeah, and I'm actually curious as to how people end up constructing their their DraftKings rosters because I, I think you're right. I think what people are going to want to do is grab a guy from this top range and sort of work their way down. I think you can grab a guy in the top range, even a 9K guy, but then once you do that, you're kind of stuck in the low 8K and 7K range. And if you look at just look at the DraftKings roster here, once you get to like the mid 9K range, there, there's a pretty huge drop off. So from a roster construction standpoint, I, I definitely think people should sort of keep in mind what they think people are going to do here and maybe construct your roster a little bit different. I can tell you, you know, as we are about to go into this 10K and above range, um, I think there's an argument to, you know, fade some of these top guys and just, you know, make things a little bit different because once you get and we'll get there once we once you get to the 7K range. It's super dicey. This is not the tournament where you want to be living in that range. And, you know, I would have said the opposite, you know, maybe two out of the last three tournaments. Yeah, we'll get to that cheat sheet in just one second. But Greg, you've been teasing the stuff from 2010. What are the big what are the big takeaways that are making you most uncomfortable? So I went through and I just I looked at everybody who finished in the top four. OK, now that was 12 players. So it was a lot, you know, you had a lot of guys that were in contention. You had a huge group of guys tied fourth, um, but it was 12 total players. So of the 12 players, there was only one player that entering the week was inside the top 50 strokes gained off the tee. That was Charlie Hoffman, you know, who was tied fourth. There were only four players that were inside the top 50 in strokes gained approach the green. Um, and Luke Donald was one who was uh, very at the very top of his game. Tim Clark was one. Matt Kuchar was 48th at the time. I mean, they're, they're not elite iron players. You have a lot of guys outside the top 100 that were uh, that finished inside that top 12. When we get to the around the green play, you had five guys inside the top 50. Um, but more specifically in sand saves, you mentioned all those bunkers, which is why I looked at sand saves for these top 12 guys. The top three players on the PGA Tour entering the week of the RBC Canadian Open in the 2010, the top three players in sand saves finished in the top four. Wow. You, you don't see that very often. 
Uh, it's kind of surprising to me. And seven of the 12 players were in the top 50 in sand saves entering the week. Then you go to putting. You had six top 10 putters on the PGA Tour inside the top 12 for the week. Six of them, um, including number one, uh, number four, number seven, number nine, number 10. Oh, I mean, and then you had seven guys in the top 50 in strokes game putting entering the week. So that's why it's uncomfortable. Because you look at, I mean, do you really want to construct your DFS lineup around a model heavily invested in sand save percentage? <laughs> yes. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you really want to construct a DFS model around strokes gain putting? No. These are these are things that will make you very uncomfortable. But I think it, I think it does provide some opportunity. So I, I'm kind of working backwards. I'm taking my off the tee preference based on this. And I think it goes way down. I do think approach play is still very important. Um, I, I think the field may, might be a little bit stronger. You look at a Luke Donald there while he's a shorter hitter in 2010, he was really a, a top end player in the game in 2011. He became world number one. Um, so he was, he was an elite player in there. And he was a very good iron player. So I do think iron play can still be a factor here. Um, but but I think you're looking at some short game putting guys when you fill out your roster. Uh, here are the best or highest ranked players in this field in, in sand save this season. Justin Thomas, Mike Weir probably doesn't have a lot of rounds there. Ryan Armour, Matt Fitzpatrick, David Hearn, Wesley Bryan, Shane Lowry all are all inside the tours. Top 10. You want to go to uh, putting. We could do... Uh, we could do strokes gain putting, I assume. Let's do that. Strokes gains. There we go. Terrell Hatton, Brendan Todd, Martin Trainer, Cam Smith, Kelly Kraft all rank inside the top eight. And then yeah. we can go on down the list. So maybe a little bit uncomfortable getting into these yeah. spots. We don't often I have to knock the dust off of this portion of the website, right? To, to get access. Yeah, what is this? What is this portion? I gotta get into this later. <laughs> This right here? Oh, this yeah. is Holy Grail on rickrungood.com. Oh, this is Holy Grail. Oh, you go over to stats. Go over oh, to stats. oh, oh, got it. There you go. Love uh, that. See, does that make you uncomfortable? Are you, are you, should it be, should it be Halloween? Are we spooked out by this? <laughs> it does, it does make me uncomfortable, but it, it definitely makes sense. I mean, I, I said earlier that, you know, you're going to have to have, I, I think I said above average, if not elite around the green game play. I think the part that makes me, really uncomfortable is is the putter because i mean if you're if you're if you're modeling and you want to put a big weight on around the green and then you want to put a big weight on the putter then you know to me what that leaves room for other than some like finer points is you know getting it in the fairway in other words like driving accuracy and then some approach play so it's just a matter of how you want to construct it but yeah there are going to be tournaments where short game is going to be paramount and this makes sense right this these are very like think about it these are very small greens and they are very well protected so of course around the green game is going to come into play and with the undulating greens yeah i guess i mean i don't know greg and rick you you might be better at sort of judging that versus myself but with the undulating greens i would imagine that is going to benefit the you know the better putters obviously i don't know i, I sometimes think greg and i this is probably very golfer dependent i sometimes find that large kind of undulating greens are easier to read and sometimes the subtleties in greens are harder to read but i imagine that is I don't have any data to back that up. I imagine it is very player specific. Well, um, the thing that I go to is a golf course like Muirfield Village, a golf course like Augusta National, which have some of the most undulating greens we play on the PGA Tour. Yet they ask for great ball striking, um, but they're bigger. They're much bigger greens and they have sections to them. So you have big greens with small greens within them and the players who can get their ball within those small greens tend to have a, a big advantage. So that's why, that's why putting, that's why this is uncomfortable because putting is a very hard thing to predict. Um, and, and what kind of greens guys like is a very hard thing to predict. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk in the industry about grass types, uh, and there, and there may be some truth to that, but every green is, is different. And just because a green is bent doesn't mean like if you grow up in the Northeast, all the greens are pretty much bent. But you're going to have some courses you putt really well at and some courses you struggle at as a player. So it, it's just a difficult thing to predict. And it, it gets it, it can make things a little uncomfortable. But 
Um, I, I do think it, there's an opportunity. You just have to be really, you have to be aggressive this week. And, and I don't think you can try to be safe. I, I think this is a week where you have to kind of go out on the limb and you can't be afraid to be wrong, uh, which is why, again, I mean, I love when I do my research and I find that the best iron players do really well, uh, right? That is, it's, it's comfortable. It's warming, but it doesn't mean you're going to win. You, you got to take chances to win in this game. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and this week in particular, you're going to have to take chances. All right. Well, we're going to get uncomfortable. We're going to go to the cheat sheet. We'll go tier by tier through this board, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet at rickrungood.com. Scotty Scheffler, 11,100. Justin Thomas is 10,9. Roy McElroy is 10,500. Then we round it out with Cam Smith at 10,3. Shane Lowry at 10,1. And Sam Burns at an even $10,000. Sia Najad, you get first crack at the 10Ks. So, like I said, I think I want to start sort of lower in the 10K range. The guy I'm really sort of fixated on is Shane Lowry at 10,100. I think that's a pretty good price considering the field. And he grades out so well on approach. If you want to dice the approach game up and go to the longer irons, he's excellent there too. Uh, the around the green game isn't great, but then if you if you dice that up to sand saves, it's actually quite elite. So uh, he really checks every box. I mean, sometimes he doesn't keep it in the fairway. He doesn't grade out super well there over the last 24 rounds. Uh, with that said, he rates out really well for me. And, and I think... I don't know that I want to pay, play the um, or pay the Scotty Scheffler price tag of, of eleven thousand one hundred. He's probably my second favorite in this range. So for me, it's probably Scotty and Shane Lowry. But I'm very likely to start uh, more of my lineups if I'm choosing between the two with Shane Lowry. Yeah, Shane Lowry's T thirty two at the at the Memorial was his worst stroke play finish since the Houston Open. That was November. So it's been. Quite a good run for Shane Lowry. Okay, Greg, Sia is focusing a bit at the bottom of the range. Where would you like to spend your assets? Well, I'm I'm very interested. I I think Rory McIlroy is a very interesting play, but he's not my favorite in the. And uh, uh, I think my favorite guy on this list is Justin Thomas. Um, and and the reason is, well, one, his sand save percentage top in the field that could go a long way. He's also a phenomenal iron player. No surprise there. Uh, and I think he's really solved an issue with his putting. He, he missed the cut at the Charles Schwab challenge, had an uncharacteristically, but I mean, you look at that, that red in the strokes gain approach. If you're watching on YouTube, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And that's the first time since at least this year that he's lost strokes approaching the green. You probably got to go. I mean, you got to scroll for a little while. Um, yeah, he yeah. lost a little bit in uh, at Riviera in 2021. The last yeah, time over a year strokes. Yeah, last time he lost multiple strokes was 
June of 2020. That's two years. Yeah. And you don't see two in a row. No, you don't. Um, you don't see two in a row. So I, I think there's a very good chance that that iron play comes back to life. Um, and, and that's a very good sign for me. His short game is as good as it gets out there. It really is. And then, and again, I think when he changed putters, he figured something out. So in that Charles Schwab challenge, he lost a tiny bit, uh, around the green or a putt in rather in only two rounds. And he gained in, uh, four previous events before that on the greens. So I think he's answered the biggest issue in his game. And I'm willing to wipe the Charles Schwab challenge away to um, that's the week after he won his second major championship. So I'm, I'm happy to wipe that away. And I, I think he probably has the most upside in the field. Uh, we've hit on Lowry. We've hit on JT. See, uh, uh, Scotty Scheffler, is it is it just a, a pricing issue at 11100 You've probably made more lineups already this week than, than Greg and I combined to have. Is it is it hard to kind of fit Scotty in there and, and figure everything out afterwards? Yeah, the short answer is yes. And you, you realize that really quickly once you get to the 7K range. I mean, kind of the 8K range. But once you get to the 7K range where you're where you're typically really comfortable with a, a, a good handful of guys, five, six guys that you want to lean on in the 7K range, that doesn't really exist in the 7K range. And, and again, we'll, we'll find that out later. That doesn't mean you can't play Scotty. But when it comes to paying a thousand more for Scotty Scheffler versus Shane Lowry, I just prefer Shane Lowry there because I don't think they measure out or grade out um, too differently here. And, and, and honestly, when I'm looking at the metrics that I'm super focused on, um, and particularly keeping it in the fairway of this elite range, and again, I'm, I'm using 24 rounds, but I think you could probably extend this out to 36 or 50. Uh, Lowry sort of rates out the best there. And then on approach, obviously all of these guys are, are kind of in the top five uh, area. But I don't see a huge difference on this course between those two guys. So I just prefer to go Lowry and save the money. It's such a fascinating group of golfers because Cam Smith does it completely different than Rory McIlroy does, yet the results are as good, if not better. And now we go to a place, Greg, where like Cam Smith is not the model guy most weeks because of kind of the short game. And he's gotten much better on approach. But um, is this is this a Cam Smith spot? Yes, <laughs> I think so. Uh, he's not accurate off the tee. Yes. Um, now there, there were a lot of guys, I, I didn't write it down for everybody, but I was noticing just kind of, as I was doing my research, a lot of guys had bad driving accuracy numbers. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're inaccurate. It just, they just, it, there wasn't as strong a correlation as there was around the green and approaching the green with sand saves, for example. So, um, I, I think there's definitely a possibility for a scrambler like Cam Smith. And the reason why is, when you drive it into the fairway, you're giving yourself an opportunity to hit the green in theory. But when the greens are as small as they are, even players who hit the fairway are going to miss some greens. So in a, in a strange way, the value of the fairways hit goes down. Uh, the value of hitting greens goes way up. And so if you're Cam Smith and you're a great iron player, you drive it in the fairway I and mean, he's going to have a, he's going to give himself a good birdie look. Yeah. And when he misses fairways, He'll have this opportunity to scramble and he's the, maybe the best wedge player on the PGA tour. I mean, he's in a, he's on the short list uh, and he's maybe the best putter on the PGA tour again on the short list there. So again, you're uncomfortable because of what you saw last week and how much he had to rely on scrambling, but this might be exactly what this week is looking for. So again, here we are. It's uncomfortable. Am I really going to turn down Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, and Rory McIlroy and play the guy that couldn't keep it in the state last week, as Mark Immelman said. Um, it might be the best way to go. Yeah. Now, Shane Lowry is probably your most comfortable, right? I, I agree with Sia there because he he's hitting it great and his short game is great and his mm -hmm. putting is great. So he checks every box. I I agree. Yeah, Cam Smith gives you kind of a couple of a couple of paths to get there. Um $9,000 range, a little bit bigger than what we've seen in recent weeks. Matt Fitzpatrick, Harold Varner, the third, Corey Connors, Terrell Hatton. That's the top end. The bottom half is Tony Finau, Adam Hadwin, Sebastian Munoz, Chris Kirk, and then Keith Mitchell. See, uh, how do we start to break down the nines? Yeah, there's a few guys I have my eye on, and I, and I definitely think ownership is going to dictate 
uh, how I go for a few of these guys. I mean, Corey Connors is, is the main one here. I mean, people are going to like him on this course for one. Also, he's Canadian. Um, I, that really shouldn't matter given his history at, at these things. But I, I do like Corey Connors. Uh, you know, last last week he gained over eight on approach, which shouldn't really be any surprise. He did lose three with the short game, but we know he's he's kind of improved there. He's not my favorite guy, and that's why if the ownership is is anywhere close to high, I'm happy to pivot off the following three guys. Harold Varner, again, another guy that might be popular, but he's so pricey that it's possible that he won't be. Uh, Rick, I know you were on him a couple of weeks ago uh, with a, a lot of the DFS community. I wasn't. Um, I think this, by the way, looking at rickrungood.com, if you're looking at it on YouTube, viewing weighted this week is something I'm doing. Um, I think it's a real, especially when you get to these lower ranges and some of these guys that aren't necessarily in typically in or competing in these packed fields. I think viewing weighted is, is important. And I will just note that for HB3, I believe he was third best in weighted approach last 24 rounds. So, so the game is definitely there. If you're focused on approach, that's certainly going to be a guy you want to look at. Um, Sebastian Munoz is another guy that I think checks all boxes and probably won't be super highly owned relative to some of these other names. A guy that will be popular is Chris Kirk at 9,100. It's the right price in this field. He also checks a lot of the boxes. So long story short, I do like Corey Connors and Chris Kirk, but I probably won't play a lot of them because I think they're going to be pretty popular. And my pivots are probably going to be Sebastian Munoz and HB3 if his ownership is down. Mm, yeah, it's it's so fascinating kind of uh, the way that this range is, is, is going to probably break down in terms of ownership. I'm a bit partial, Greg, to the top end of the uh, top end of the range, Fitzpatrick, uh, Connors, even, even Terrell Hatton. HB3 worries me not from a first 63 holes perspective but from like a final nine where if it goes sour he's not going to finish sixth he's going to finish 26th which which worries me a little bit but how do you start to um break down this 9k range well i do like hv3 i still think i still think despite what we saw at the charles Schwab challenge what you said leading into that event rick was still correct i think he's trending in the right direction i think he's trending towards a victory and, and the Charles Schwab challenge to me was more proof of that. It was also proof that he's not there yet, but I, I think it's still proved that he's on his way. And when you look at what he's done with his short game and, and putting this year, it's been quite good. And that's kind of a change of pace for him. This is a guy we think of as a great ball striker, but you see since the American Express, he's only lost strokes around the green one time. And in that same stretch, he's lost strokes putting on two occasions. So he is has been very good and clean around the greens, and that's why we're starting to see him in contention more. And um, when you you posted something about it on on Twitter uh, back then, and somebody asked, you know, what are the courses that you think would suit well for him going forward? And this was one of them for me that I circled, and this is evidence why. So I would I would stick with HV three. I think he's a really good option. Um, and, and then I have to say, I think Adam Hadwin is also a very good option. Um, and it, I'm trying not to be biased here. I think any way you look at it, he's a very good option. And when you look at the sand saves, uh, he's 12th on PGA tour and sand saves, which I think could go a long way for him. Um, and the iron play took a little bit of a spill, um, at the PGA and the Byron Nelson, but seemed to rebound a little bit last week at the Memorial. So I think he's in good enough form and I think you could see him pop off. He's also played well in Canada. I know we haven't seen this event since 2010. He did play came in 37th, but uh, he has three other top 10 finishes in Canada. So he can handle the pressure of his, his home nations open. So I, I, I like, I like Hadwin too, in all seriousness. Uh, the other thing about um, Harold Varner, the third, which was great at, colonial is the long par threes they have there he's one of the best players on tour on those long par threes this this place has got four of them that are over 200 yards so it kind of falls yeah. into the same same Rick, category um, Rick, i think did you mention matt fitzpatrick i'm pretty sure you did that you liked I, him at the top of the range i i i am a bit biased towards matt fitzpatrick yes he's, he's got this bizarre result from last week but otherwise he's been awesome right where he lost almost eight strokes putting from from what i recall Yes. Um, I think he's a he's a really good course fit too. So I mean again, it kind of depends on ownership with him, but I don't think he'll be super highly owned. And I think starting your lineup with Matt Fitzpatrick would be fine. I think starting with Lowry and Fitzpatrick would be a nice one-two punch that most likely not a lot of people will be starting their lineups with. The 
seven and a half strokes that Matt Fitzpatrick lost last week with the putter is his worst putting performance ever by a his, lot. I bet his second worst putting performance ever. Oh also, Muirfield Village. Yeah. And that can happen there, right? Those are really high level greens. And if you're a little bit off on those greens, you'll get smoked in that statistic. And that's exactly what happened. So I give him, um, you also notice the second, the second was four over four rounds. So that's a right that if you average that out per round, he got smoked on the greens Mm. last week. I, but I don't look at it as a sign of bad putting. I, I think he had a bad week on a course where you can't have a bad week. Uh, the other thing is he finished, <laughs> he finished 17th in the ball in strokes gained ball striking and only played two rounds, which is like, that's a counting stat. So, I mean, you, we, this, you love this in the DFS. This is not uncomfortable. This is comfortable. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's very, very nice there. Okay. Gents. Um, I want to get to the $8,000 range and below. I feel like this is where it really drops off and we're going to have to work hard here. Uh, But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. $8,000 range. Very, very small. Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Sahith Tagala, Johnny Vegas, Mackenzie Hughes, Rasmus Hoygaard, and then we rounded out with Brendan Todd and C.T. Pan. See ya. Wow. Um, where are we headed here, bud? This is a really, really tough range. Uh, you know, Patrick Reed is interesting. I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit more. I think the three guys that I like the most, one of them I think is going to be a decent ownership play. Johnny Vegas, who, by the way, was 6,700 last week and is 8,500 this week. That's why I think he's going to be a a decent ownership play, because I I just don't think people are going to be willing to pay that price when they can just come down to a guy like like C.T. Pan, for example, at 8,100. So Vegas, I do like, you know, the around the green game actually hasn't been bad. He's gained four out of the last five around the green. Prior to that, he was horrible. So if you're looking at a model like last, let's say, 36 or 50 rounds, he's going to grade out really really bad but if you actually just looked at the last like 20 rounds it picks up quite a bit so maybe he's found something there he's definitely a volatile risky play but i think he's interesting at 8500 i do like brendan todd greg's boy from from uh two weeks ago um very accurate coming in with good form and i do like ct pan again if you click on the the weighted um you know strokes gain metrics he's eighth in weighted approach last 24 rounds he finds fairways he was he was fourth worst in the field last week off the tee he lost over four strokes off the tee last week. But again, he typically finds, and I think that was like in the field or something, um, he typically finds fairway. So uh, I'm not really worried about that. The approach game is there. So I think at 8,100, he's, he's a good risk. He'll probably have some popularity because he's really coming on as of late. The Johnny Vegas T37 last week was not that bad. He was fourth going into the final round and lost five strokes putting on Sunday. So that is that was not as bad as it as it seems, and T37 is still pretty good. Um, Greg, how about this one for you, bud? Dating back to 2018 on small greens that are that those are greens that are 5,000 square feet 
on average or smaller. Rory McIlroy's number one. Patrick Reed is number two, mm. uh, which kind of passes the sniff test, right? Because look at how he's done it. He's gained a half a stroke around the green in those situations and almost a half a stroke with the putter. He's doing it because his short game is elite. And basically, it's 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 the Bryson at Wingsfoot scenario. When everyone plays out of the rough, Bryson has an edge. When everyone plays from greenside, Patrick Reed has an edge. Yes, absolutely. Um, and in this year, that has been a terrible year for Patrick Reed. Um, and he, he would admit that as well. Um, now, he's still 32nd on tour in strokes gained putting, which is very important. And he's 15th in sand save percentage, also very important. So he, he checks a lot of the boxes for me. And I'm, I still, even after last week, I, I still think his full swing is coming around a little bit. Um, he struggled a little more last week. Again, that was a tall task, a, you know, a major championship like test. And I, there's a chance that he wasn't ready for that. Um, but he still was able to make the cut. And I think going right back to him this week is a smart play. Now the guy came in 50, 30, lost strokes off the tee, lost strokes, approach the green, lost strokes, putting last week. This is uncomfortable, but I think he still checks all the boxes and is a, is a great option. Uh, who else in this AK range, Greg? Uh, so I, I like Brendan Todd as, uh, as Sia pointed out. Um, and I like Patrick Reed and those are definitely my two favorite. Um, could you, could you get a little crazy and take a chance on a Mackenzie Hughes? Um, I, I don't like what I've seen out of him, but he did play well at the Wells Fargo, which was kind of tough, kind of a, kind of a short game contest in a way, um, where he hit the ball a little bit better and he was able to make the cut last week. And he's a, he's a Canadian player who has done pretty well at the RBC Canadian Open in the past, uh, particularly in the last two. So I feel like he may be amped up. Now, I don't like going on that. I don't like going like there. There's, I expect there to be a draw towards Canadian players. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a great idea. Not that I'm against playing them. I just I don't think you should because they are Canadian. I, you know, I, I and I think people will fall into that trap. But he could be a sneaky, fits that mold of extremely uncomfortable, but a good course fit in general. Strokes gains Canada is what we could be looking for. This yeah, don't don't use that. Don't put it in your model. Well, you, you'll you'll see that in the narrative lineups later. Also, that sounded very anti-Canada, Greg. I know you were trying to dance out of that, but I don't I don't know. I don't know. That's my something. my favorite player on tour is Canadian. How how could I be anti-Canadian? I have an interesting stat about that. Uh, Corey Connors been one of the most consistent players on tour the past couple of years. Yeah. He, his best finish in the Canadian open. And I think oh. he has like eight tries is so 80th. It's so bad. Yeah. 80th. I think he's missed the cut like six of seven or seven of eight or something. It, yeah. It's one of those two. And the one, the one cut that he's made was yeah. 80th place. <laughs> So I, I don't know. Look, it's just all I'm saying is don't look at the flag and say, oh, this is a great week for you. You got to look a little deeper than that. If, and, and I think Hadwin checks the box. And I think Mackenzie Hughes does, too, in in theory. In general, he's a great short game, great putter. He's a great grinder, if you will. Um, but that's that's why not because he's Canadian. I wanted to see Taylor Pendrith, uh, but. He's he fractured a rib in the final round of the players championship and finished like T13 or something like that. And then he's now been rehabbing and he's pushed his he's pushed his return back twice, which kind of stinks. That makes you think he's yeah. having setbacks and whatnot. Yeah, he missed his US Open qualifier too. But yeah. Rick, just in theory, he's a, he's like a, a bomber, right? No, yeah, I don't I don't like think this is a good spot for him. Do you think there's gonna be a couple of like is Tony Finau got like a really long hitter who pops up and gets himself in the mix. Do you mix with those into your lineup or are you sticking to your, are you sticking to your model all the way through? Yeah, I mix them in. I, uh, when I start building lineups, I'll also like kind of just like randomize some stuff. Like I, I am, I am not so naive to think that my research is perfect and you know what I mean? And everything yeah. that I think yeah. is going to come true. Right. I'm, I'm aware of the flaws and the the randomness of this. So yes, I will. Uh, 
it's unlikely you see me go with like six short game specialists. I might go with like four and then mix in a couple of guys that I just think can get it done in some different ways. So yeah, there will definitely be guys that go against the model inside the top 10. I like it. Mm. $7,000 range. Let me get it queued up here. Massive range. I will not name them all. Aaron Rye, Mark Hubbard, Adam Long, Cam Champ are the notables near the top. The bottom end, Doug Gim, Lee Hodges, Peter Malnati, et cetera, et cetera. See ya. Have at it. Yeah, this is so this is an interesting range because I don't think anybody's going to carry a ton of ownership. So I think that's kind of the good news. If if you're if you're right here on one or two or three of your 7K guys, you're probably in pretty good shape. And so I think this is where the tournament or your tournament tournament is going to be won or lost. I'll start with Adam Long, who I don't think a lot of people will pay attention to, mostly because he rates out pretty badly around the green. And I know how important that is. So I'll admit that you know a lot of these 7K guys who aren't good around the green are very risky. But keep in mind that the part of the reason he rates really poorly around the green is because he lost four strokes around the green at the Memorial. Other than that, he's actually been okay around the green. Um, and we know he can spike on approach. So it's it's one of those guys that I think has, has pretty great upside that could be potentially contending uh, on Sunday if everything sort of goes right for him. Another volatile guy that I like that hasn't been very good at all, which is why he probably will carry no ownership. JJ Spawn at 7,700. If you look at that weighted approach last 24 rounds, which again, you can see uh, on Rick Rungood, which he's pulling up right now, as a matter of fact, uh, he does continue to rate out really well there, but he's missed three out of the last four cuts. So it's a very high risk play, but I do think he has upside. A guy that has been coming on as of late um, and really been playing well across all categories is Pat Perez, another guy that I don't think anybody's going to play. I'll just name a few more names. Martin Laird is starting to have finishing positions that are you know, starting to mirror his strokes gain metrics. If you guys recall over the last couple of months, like Martin Laird has been, you know, top five or top 10 in a lot of models because he's just ball striking the heck out of it. But uh, he's starting and he was missing cuts, but he's starting to actually make cuts and, and finish in a decent place. A couple of risky guys that I like Matt Wallace playing pretty well over in Europe. Maybe he's on the comeback trail with, with two, you know, back-to-back decent finishing positions at 7,400. David Lipsky, Ryan Armour, a couple Canadians, Nick Taylor and Adam Svensson. I, I like both of them as well. I um I also noticed what Pat Perez has been up to. So he has not he's yeah. missed one cut since Phoenix. And he doesn't have a ton of great results, but he's got his two best results are actually his last two, T12, T26 at the Charles Schwab and the Memorial and he's been very good around the greens. The putter has been hit or miss, but I'm okay with that being basically 10 shots volatile and the approach play has been generally pretty good. And also he loses strokes off the tee because he's not particularly long. He is at least a little bit more accurate than he is long. So I'm, I'm, I'm in on Perez. I'm in on, on Pat Perez one time. Um, I think he was like my top choice. Maybe, maybe top three, top three choices for me. Yeah, this, in this, range. this is not a good range, Greg. Like I, like if, if I go to battle with Aaron Rye, Adam Long and Pat Perez, I'm, I'm probably pretty happy with that. Yeah, um, Adam Long was on my list as well, and one other guy that I know is going to be very popular on this show when our um, if our producer gets a chance to listen to it. But uh, Rory Sabatini, <laughs> um, very interesting to me. He, now he he has a couple of made cuts in a row, three in a row. Uh, he's gained strokes around the green in three in a row, two of three putting, and I believe that's right. He's done very well in Canada. Um, so he was, he has four of his last five have been top 25s and three of them have been top 12 finishes. So, I mean, is that course fit? Not necessarily, but when you combine what he's done in, in Canada and you combine what he's doing around the greens, I think Rory Sabatini is, uh, is, is a great fit at 7,200. Rory Sabatini has a top 10 at this event in 2000, 2000. (laughs) Yeah. Six. 1999 yep. finished T58. This dude's been just uh out there grinding on tour forever. Yeah. I mean he, <laughs> uh, he could almost take up citizenship. He's played there for so long. He might. Don't tempt <laughs> he might. That's a great idea. Uh, uh, so yeah, that it's a tough, it's a tough range. Um okay. and it, I love hearing that Pat Perez isn't gonna be very highly played. Uh, how how about this? Because um I'd have to go look. When I checked this morning, 
Tyler Duncan was trending towards making the U.S. Open. Today's the longest day in golf as we as we record this. It's mm. it's Monday. It's the final qualifying for the for the U.S. Open. About a third of the field uh, is going to be decided today, and there's a lot of professionals trying to get their way in. Tyler Duncan was in the mix earlier. Sia, do you care at all? This is kind of like what we saw Scott Stallings do a couple of weeks ago. You know, play well on a Monday in qualifying and then carry it over into that week. Do you care at all about the results we're seeing from final qualifying right now? Yeah, a little bit. And then I also think that Tyler Duncan is, is a pretty decent play. I mean, the short game leaves a little bit to be desired, but he does seem like a pretty good course fit. He finds fairways. The approach game is, you know, he's in the top third of the field. Um, the long irons are actually quite good, uh, which is a surprise to me. The, the par three scoring is good. Um, I don't think the upside is really there. I think maybe there's other 7K guys that have a similar, um, you know, similar metrics, but maybe have greater upside. Uh, with that said, I, I like I think Tyler Duncan's fine, and and I do I do in, invest a little bit into, you know, them doing well in these qualifiers. Well, I I probably uh, put the kibosh on him because it, it doesn't look like he's going to make it. He's got two holes to go, and he's going to need to, geez, probably birdie them both to have a chance. Um, he's playing in the Columbus qualifier. There's 13 spots there. Okay. Okay, there are some guys who look like they could be getting in from from this range. Uh, Patrick Rogers is in this range. He's T9 right now. He could get in. Lonto Griffin's in. Davis Riley looking like he's going to get in. And one guy in the 6K range. Ooh, Greg, I'm going to save that one. But do you like that? Do you like to like to check the leaderboards for what the guys did on a Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's a competitive round of golf, too, in this case. So I, I think it's definitely worth looking into. Tyler Duncan is uh, an interesting play this week, but I agree with Sia. Upside may not be there, but I, there's one other name unrelated to U.S. Open qualifier. Yes. If, if we're getting uncomfortable, we're going crazy. Right? What What do you guys think about a Danny Willett? Misses mm -hmm. last two cuts, uh, has been hitting the ball terribly. <laughs> Perfect. But but you think about what he did at the Masters, and he scrambled like crazy. Um and and his short game's been pretty good. So I wonder if uh, if Danny Willett is a guy who could pop off this week, surprise the world, and um, and contend. I think the good news around Danny Willett is that uh, any week he could pop. There's really no foreshadowing it. So that's kind of a good thing, right? When you're like, oh, this could be a Danny Willett week. I, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think... I mean, th there's probably other players you could move to that that might pop sort of randomly, like a Matt Wallace, for example. But you're right about the around the green. Like last 50 rounds, he's number one around the green. So if that's a metric you want to overinvest in and overplay, like Danny Willett makes plenty of sense. And and there are times where he pops. I mean, 12th at the Masters. Um, I you know I think he played pretty well at the Zurich Classic. I, I don't really remember seeing him play, but yeah, it's, it, I'm not going to play him. But I, I think I, to be honest with you, Greg, I think some people are going to play him. I, I think people are going to look at what Willett does uh, with the short game, particularly around the green, because the putter hasn't been there. But, um, you know, I'm not going to play him, but I think people will. It's, I love, see, you just really stick it to me with, uh, you know, if you look at his short game, it's been he, great. In, he's great around the greens. If you look at uh, putts from 31 to 32 feet, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kills me. $6,000 range. My guy. Adam Shank, sixty nine hundred mm -hmm. bucks. Brandon Wu, sixty nine hundred. Hayden Buckley, amongst others. The min min priced golfers for this week. Ooh, doggy. Ben Crane, one of the golf boys. Yes, I'm playing him. Mike Weir, Ricky Barnes will be three under through four and leading this at six fifty five a.m. Thursday morning. I guarantee it. Mike Weir, did I mention that? Johnson Wagner in the field. Uh, the guy that I was saving was indeed Adam Shank, who we were a week early on. Sia, he was min priced two weeks ago, missed mm -hmm. the cut, mm -hmm. uh, played well one of the days. Then 26th of the memorial, Adam Shank, right now, live update, nine under par at the Columbus qualifier. He is three holes away from punching his ticket to the U.S. Open. Our guy is steaming right now. And by the way, he gained, let's see, seven strokes on approach last week. He was fourth in the field, tee to green, lost four with the putter. Wait, I have one more for you. Hold on. Let me let me pull up the uh, the live leaderboard here. Over the weekend, 
just the weekend. Don't look any further than that. Adam Shank was like the sixth best player in the field over the weekend last week. He's trending, people. We saw this coming. So his last four rounds, two U.S. Open qualifiers and two final round at two final rounds at the Memorial have been awesome. That's right. That's right. I like it. Let's go. I just solved the six thousand dollar range. <laughs> I mean, it's a better case than anybody else, right? It, 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 it in all seriousness, it is a very bad six thousand dollar range, right? That's right. No, it, it truly yeah. is a better case than anybody else. I mean, I, Greg, I think you're actually right. That's not like uh, hyperbole. I think he's no. probably the best option, both from a safety and upside standpoint, in the six K range when you consider who else is in it. So, um, I'm looking at the cheat sheet. And I go to the best, who are the best tee to green players over the last 50 rounds in, uh, in the six K range, Cameron Percy, he's losing or he's losing around the green, but there, there's only a couple guys that are gaining around the green and approach the green. You got Scott, uh, just, uh, just excuse Good I can't luck. say that I name. Can't even tried. The, the yeah. new Gooch, man. That's one of my guys too. We yeah, lost I just, Taylor, I we get Scott. I've heard the pronunciation. I physically can't say it. Um, <laughs> you got Mike Weir. Don't love that. You got Vaughn Taylor. Don't love that. Uh, th there's, there's not really a lot to like. Luke Donald. He did come in third here, but still don't love that. So, I mean, where do you, Wesley Bryan, I do not like that at all. So, I mean, this, it all goes back to one place, Adam Shank. There are only four guys, sorry, there are only eight guys in this field, or sorry, wow, let me start this all over again. <laughs> there are only eight guys in the $6,000 range who have gained strokes from T to green in the last 50 rounds. Eight, eight of 88 guys. That like that's what we're talking about here. This is a yeah. horrible, horrible six K range. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, and I mean, I guess it gets a little better if you look around the green, but not much. I mean, that's we're talking around the green. Normally, you see some green in this. It, it doesn't get much better. You look at putting. It's it's not much better. Maybe we're gonna go Scott Scott Brown's the best putter over the last fifty rounds in this range. There are actually few guys that have made like back-to-back -back cuts in this range. It, it's just all missed cuts. Not good. Why? Not I mean, good. It's, it's, I mean, the strength of field's not that bad, Sia. So I guess it's just being carried by like the top twelve guys in this field because the, yes. the bottom seventy are. No offense, fellas. Not great. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's so hard to justify, you know, taking a lot of guys in the elite range or even taking a Scotty Scheffler. And again, you can take Scotty and, and still have a, a relatively balanced lineup. But, you know, the 6K being so deficient speaks to what the 7K is, which speaks to what the 8K is. And so we have uh, a tournament here where the major drop off is like super obvious in like kind of like the no lo, the low 9K range, in my opinion, but certainly in the 8K range. And it just filters down from there. So, I mean, you just really don't want to live here. I do think uh, Gucheski or Guchewski, the new Gooch is pretty, pretty good. I mean, considering yeah. he's in here, the approach game has been good. Um, he's been he's been decent everywhere else uh, other than the putter. Shank, of course, uh, we just talked about him. David Lingmurth appears to be making somewhat of a charge at 6,500. I think he's decent. He was top 20 on approach last week. He finds fairways, um, rates out really well, but keep in mind, you know, he hasn't played a ton lately. And a lot of that has been on the, the corn Ferry tour. Um, in fact, I think his finishing positions, I didn't really do the math on it might even be better on the PGA tour than they were on the corn Ferry tour over this calendar year. With that said, I, I think he's actually a pretty decent play considering this range. I'll throw one other name out just for the heck of it. A guy who's been okay on approach and can sometimes spike with the putter, maybe is finding his game again. Danny Lee. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be playing much of him, but I think he's another option in this 6K range. Danny Lee, eight under, three holes to go to get himself Let's into go. the US Open. <laughs> this Let's is go. Six and seven K guys who are playing their way into the US Open. That's that's where we're at at this point. All right, one other guy I'll yeah. throw out there. Um, th this is like, uh, all right, I need to get into the six K range and I want some safety. Uh, I think Bill Haas is your, is your best cut maker in the six K range. He's made a ton recently. Let's pull him up here. He, he makes a ton of cuts. 
and he's at 6,800. It, it doesn't quite get you. If he was at 6,500, I'd play, I'd, I'd, he'd be a, almost a lock. Cause I, I think there's a real chance that he makes the cut. Um, and I, I don't mind having safety like that in a range like this. He's not a lot of upside. 10 out of 11 cuts has Bill Haas. Yeah. So, I mean, he could make the cut again in this field. I don't think it's going to be a crazy low cut where you got to shoot, you know, six under to make the cut. So it's an option. Bill Haas. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's trying to qualify for the U S open or not. Um, Brendan Steele withdrew. I guess he got off to a bad start. If you shoot, okay, if you shoot two over in the opening round, you just go home, right, Greg? You just have no chance. Um, Olin Brown, <laughs> a number of years ago, shot a he shot a couple over in his first round. I forget. I forget what he actually shot. He was going to withdraw, but he couldn't find anybody to tell him. Couldn't like, find to withdraw. <laughs> he played the second round, shot fifty nine. And got in. Wow. So I guess, uh, I don't guess, give up. Never quit, kids. I guess Brendan Steele found the guy. <laughs> that was so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brendan Steele found a guy, unfortunately. <laughs> and the, um, the the sad thing is he'll never know what could have been. Oh boy. That is sad. All right. Well, I think it's about that. It's about that time for the old narrative lineup. Which, by the way. Can I just tip my metaphorical cap to John Markowski, mm -hmm. who is not only the GOAT of the narrative lineups, he won the birdie on DraftKings last week. It's awesome. But not a awesome. narrative lineup, Greg. What, what, what no, was that? no. He should have yeah, to I mean, look. No, he shouldn't have to give it back. That's hard earned. He's a friend of the show. <laughs> Full support. John, you 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 can only play narrative lineups from now on. Yeah. So get in the lab. Help everybody uh, else out. All right. So yeah, these are these are the narrative lineups that you've been curating via Twitter. Let's start with uh Willis underscore what does that say? Reed? Read, yeah, read red, but yeah, I guess it's a Willis Reed uh, reference. By the way, I, I think I got more of these, or we got, I should say we got more of these because it's under, you know, First Cup Pod retweets it. There's a, there's so many of these and we can only put up so many. We could probably do an entire show on some of these. So for those of you that didn't, I say this every week, but like, I appreciate everybody <laughs> submitting. They all make me laugh. They're all very interesting. Um, we'll start with, with Willis Reed's. Um, I don't know a lot of these places, but these are Canadian places, so I thought it had to be included. I might not even say these these ones right. Uh, medicine, yeah, uh, medicine hat ton. Maybe somebody from Canada can kind of uh, educate so, so us. Medicine, medicine hat is a place, right? That's obviously so. Medicine hat is in uh, Alberta, Canada. So medicine uh, hat Hatton, Terrell Hatton. Okay, Cam, I like that. Cam, I'm assuming that's Smithers. Cam Smithers, Aaron. Aaron Regina, Regina, right? Fort mm -hmm. Saint Spawn. These are that one's over my head. Uh, CT Panorama. I'm assuming Panorama is a place. And then this one, I obviously get Adam had Winnipeg. That's the best one. Strong. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that, that's good. I just wish I had more knowledge of the Canadian geography. Ultimately, yeah, Willis, that was uh, you have a very specific audience on that one, and the three of us are unfortunately not it. I don't think. Um, no, but quite creative. Very creative, though. John PGA Tout says, homage to the last championship in Toronto. Oh, boy. The 2019. This is good. Raptors. Oh. Oh. Okay. So he has done a combination golfer slash Toronto Raptors. And I assume these, all, these guys all played on that championship team. So Correct. Kyle Shane Lowry, uh, Jonas Blixt Valanchunas. <laughs> That's pretty good. Danny Lee Green. Uh, There's Lee. <laughs> Jeremy Lingmurth. <laughs> so good. So good. I like both those guys, by the way. Go uh, on. Sorry. Bo Van Vliet Pelt. That's a tongue twister. Okay. This one I've got to get right. So his uh Ananobi, right? So it's CT Pananobi, which is pretty good. OG, so good. OG Ananobi, right? Uh, really good. That's really good. That's really good. And then here's the goat, John Markowski. All things Canada. Oh no. So we strategically pivot to all things 
French. See ya, you might you might need to take these. Uh, I'll give it a shot. Uh, Roy <laughs> Mackle Royale with cheese. Uh, you you Pulp Fiction viewers may remember that um, as a reference. Tony Parker Finau, H.B. Trois, Christian Dior Kirk, mm. Cam Champs-Élysées, and That's Paul. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Paul Barjandre the Giant. Uh, for the record, okay, A, that's incredible. Uh, B, I don't, he actually updated it. He said that doesn't fit in a lineup. So he actually had, you got to go to, just go to at First Cut Pod and check out all the comments below because he he changed those out with two like very clever names as well. And then we got two more here. All right, T to Green's Oracle says, uh, Canada's relevant exports lineup. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Justin Bieber's Believers Thomas, that's Justin Thomas, Justin Bieber. Alex, who is Trebek for a thousand Smalley? Wow. John Candy, huh? Matt Labatt Blue Pilsner. Fitzpatrick. Sorry, that was on a different line. I screwed that one up. <laughs> Roger Drizzy ain't ever slowing down. <laughs> I'm not. Give me a tray of maple syrup pancakes Molinax. <laughs> And then see it here is just the all no so so just just so you know this was more of a group effort. Tim Peterson sort of inspired this one, and then we all Greg worked uh, with us on this one too to find the, the last guy. But we're going the the final all Canada team. So we went down the line C A N A D A, and uh, we got Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor, Adam Svensson. Uh, that should be David Hearn and Aaron Cockerell. So you can spell out Canada with those first names with all Canadians. With all Canadians, yes, indeed. all Canadians. Wow, well done. Well done. Yeah, I think that's my favorite. I think that's my favorite. Um, that's like Canada Inception. Canada inside of Canada. Right. And wow. for the record, there's like 20 more that just didn't make the show because we only have so much time. So go to at First Cut Pod and check them out because there's some really, really good creative ones in there. I love it. And also follow C on Twitter because I'm sure he will tweet out his first round leaders. We don't have tea times as of just yet, but uh, we will soon i cannot get enough of this greg is the u.s open is really is it really the only true open right where like literally uh, any, the open the open championship the open championship they do the same thing right yeah yeah so they really? reserve a certain number of spots for um open qualifying and the idea is pretty i mean they want a, a large portion of the field to have qualified which is very cool um, a lot of now, most of these guys get through, they're exempt into sectional qualifying. So, you know, they're, you're not going to go to your local country club, sign up for a local U S open qualifier and get paired with, you know, Tyler Duncan. He's, but he's going to be in the sectionals. Um, so yeah, it's a very, it's very cool. The longest day in golf is awesome and it's so tough. Um, and, and these guys are so good to get through cam young. I actually, I covered it because there there's one century in old Oaks is nearby me. And I, I, uh, did a little bit of work on it a couple of years ago and cam young won that one. Uh, and I'll never forget how difficult the day was. And he shot 31 on the back nine, won the qualifier. And then he did it again. If, the same exact thing shot 31 on his last nine. If it wasn't the year after, it was two years after. And I was said, this guy is good. I didn't think he was as good as he is, but he was a standout. Cam Young shot a, a 31 on, on the ninth yesterday, for the record. It's my fault. I mean, I picked him in one and done for the first time ever, and he shoots 84 on the last day. Uh, this, Jupiter, sorry, this Jupiter qualifier is not complete yet, it appears. But this is shaping up to be kind of interesting because you've got here are the four who are currently in only four spots. Sean Jacklin, Ryan Gerard, Keith Green, and an amateur named Fred Biondi. Okay, that is U.S. Open qualifying as a beautiful thing. Here are the guys one shot out. Ricky Fowler, Matthias Schwab, Tom Lewis, Steve Marino, Kevin Tway. Like the PGA Tour, like this is great this is what makes this so great yeah wow. it, it, i'm telling you it's hard you're talking about 36 holes look look at the leaderboards on tour between friday night and sunday night and things change a lot uh and and when when you have these sprints like this it's um 
you know, a mini tour mindset in a way. It's a combo mini tour mindset, U.S. Open mindset all together because it plays usually a lot tougher than, um, you know, a Monday qualifier where you got to shoot 62 uh, to get in. Right. But at the same time, you got to go, you got to go play because there's not a lot of spots. It's great. I love it. I love it. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. All right, gents, we'll be back. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention <laughs> my bad. The one and done voting for the fans is uh, now live. The link is in the description. Get your votes in because we are going to go live on Tuesday morning. And then that is when we will need your uh, final selections for this week's RBC Canadian Open. Big. Yes. See ya. Can I publicly apologize to you, Rick? I'd be I'd be thrilled. Well, I mean, for the for the Colin Moore cow mush. I'm really sorry. I I'll, I'll, I'll try not to do it again. Oh, I, I'm really sorry. It's all right. It's all right. It was, it wasn't going to happen for me anyway, but I didn't expect you to just take me down like that. He, he was so bad that it really felt like it was my mush. It, like he was really bad on, on uh, Friday in particular. Probably he's just going to win the U S open now because he's had like the worst five event stretch of his very young career. Hmm. All right. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. By the way, it's still a pretty good five event stretch, all things considered. Sia Najat is available on Twitter at Sia Najat. Greg Ducharme available at The Real GFD. It is producer Troy who does all the hard work behind the scenes. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. Catch you next time.